Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Battle Topics. Today we will be discussing um, 15 weakest albums by great artists. Um, this is actually a double XL article from February 21st, 2020, so fairly recent. I mean, a little bit over a year old, but not much bad or weak albums, I guess, has come out from great rappers since, hopefully. <laughs> um but building a lasting legacy in hip-hop is no small feat. It takes time, skill, and a focused attention on the details. Plenty of rappers are here today, gone tomorrow, and have only ended their careers without reaching their upper echelon of the game. However, those who do find themselves in that realm all have one thing in common. Multiple albums that are deemed classics that stand the test of time. A great album can also be an outlier for an artist who happened to strike lightning once and could never recapture the magic, but those who are able to rise to the occasion time and time again are held in the highest esteem. Uh, these artists take great pride in living up to expectations that the fans and critics bestow upon them, carrying the burden like a badge of honor. However, even the most reliable artists have been known to turn in an album that leaves one more to be desired. Uh, whether in terms of lyrics, production, concepts, or other, other uh, extraneous circumstances. Being that you're only as good as your last hit, artists really get a pass to drop a lackluster album regardless of their status. This results in a number of all-time great rappers having a demerit or two on the resume. Um, usually those instances prove to be uh, aberrations with the artist returning to form on the subsequent album drop but are rarely forgotten or held against the artist by the public. Um, so you guys um, agree with what the article said so far, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh, I definitely agree. Uh, there, you're always looking to top your last hit. Um, and one of the albums that we're going to talk about is by Eminem. And he even in several songs, has made mention, you know, that he'll never top what the song My Name Is did. Um, you know, uh, so so it's, for, for me, I think, you know, you're always trying to top your last hit, uh, whether it was a number one hit or whatnot, you want the next one to also be number one. And if it doesn't reach that status, then by most accounts, uh, you know, the critics and, and to some extent, even fans will say that it was terrible. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, artists will maybe get in their own head a little bit in the same sense. And what I mean by that is they have an album. Everyone says they enjoy it. They love it. It's great. And it's like, oh, man, you know, like, let's let's try to capture that magic again. And sometimes like you can capture like it did mention, like there are artists who have one good album than a whole bunch of stinkers and then you have artists who have a plethora of great albums in their catalog but they always have that one album that's like maybe it doesn't compare to the rest or it doesn't register with the fan base that the other albums do you know and um you know you see that not just in hip-hop but you see it with rock music country music pop music EDM, it, it, I think it's just the nature of the beast in terms of music because everybody, like what Chip said, everyone's trying to overdo it, um, trying to outdo what themselves. And I think, like I said, they get in their own head where they think, okay, it has to be done this way. And sometimes you're a victim of, you know, 
staying with a certain style and maybe you for whatever reason didn't change with the times and you just ended up getting left behind in some sense because what you brought to the table and it also has to do with trends and also like who's hot at the right moments and different things like that so you know aside from lyrical content concepts and whatever there's always that that societal gauge if you will like okay where would this album like the first album was better suited for the world at that moment maybe 10 20 years later maybe this album isn't acceptable i guess would be the best way to put it like maybe it doesn't fit this world compared to it used to does that make sense yeah yeah i can definitely see that um so from eminem to jay-z to little wayne and more double xl scoured the catalog of some of the great greatest rap artists of all time and found the weakest album that missed the mark uh there'll be and they're still better than most of the rappers best albums some some of that's true uh, um the diehard fans may still find a standard of excellence but other hip-hop loyalists can agree these projects fall below the line of other albums in these artist catalogs so join us as we go through 15 week albums by great artists um do one of you guys want to take the first one or you want me to uh i'll, I'll go ahead and take the first one okay um the first one up we're going to talk about is actually from eminem uh and if you're following along with our rap rewind this is the next album that we're going to take a deep dive into uh it's encore by eminem uh so it says striking fear in the hearts of rappers and ruffling the feathers of pop stars and political pundits while accounting for millions of records sold eminem was unstoppable during the first leg of his career three classic albums under his belt a seismic soundtrack later the pride of eight mile was garnering comparisons with the best rap artists to ever put pen to pad m's fourth album encore showed the first signs of his regression, leading many to ponder whether Slim Shady's best days were behind. Although he ultimately bounced back, Encore is arguably Eminem's disappointing long player. Um, I respectfully disagree. I love I too. the Encore album. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get into it, uh, in two weeks when we take a deep dive but i mean if you just go through just the track listing uh you've got evil deeds never enough yellow brick road like toy soldiers mosh puke my first single rain man big weenie uh just lose it ass like that spend some time mockingbird crazy in love one shot two shot uh and then the encore uh song uh featuring dre and uh 50 cent so i i would respectfully disagree that this is his weakest album um i can think of one that's weaker that is still i i would think a great album uh, but we'll get into that. What, what say you guys? Definitely, Encore is not uh, his weakest album. Um, we can actually contribute it to later on out later albums down the road. Uh, and I'm I'm not going to be one of these, you know, 
stands who are going to sit there and say that every Eminem album is a classic because let's be honest, even Eminem has had a few, not a few, he's had one album that didn't, in my opinion, live up to expectations, but that's just because it was just, I guess it was just the timing of when it was and things of that nature. So I'm going to withhold judgment until we talk about that on the rap, on the rap rewind. Um, but yeah, I, again, I respectfully disagree. Encore is not his worst record. Roger. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's the worst one either. Um, a lot of those songs on that album that you just named are really good. Um, but like we said, we're not going to go too deep with it. Um, but we all are in agreement that it's definitely not his weakest um, by far. Yeah, and maybe it was his weakest up to this point, uh, you know, because, I mean, you, you look at the Shady LP, the Bathers LP, and the Eminem show, and those are all legit classics. Yes. I mean, uh, so so maybe if you put, if you're just going by his first four albums, this is the weakest of the first four. I mean, if you want to go with that standard, uh, sure. But I mean, if we if we're, we have yeah. to look at the overall catalog, and if I'm looking at the overall catalog, Encore is not in the bottom of this. No, I mean, um, it sold 125,000 copies in two days and was certified quadruple platinum. I, I wouldn't really consider that a weak album, but that's just right. my opinion. All right, so, so that being said, and again, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back here in two weeks when we do a deep dive into the album Encore by Eminem on our Rap Rewind series. Um, next up, we're going to be talking about Jay-Z's album Kingdom Come. With the release of the Black album effectively marking his quote-unquote retirement, Jay-Z had made as good as a case as any rapper to be considered in the running for being one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Known for his consistency in delivering a masterful catalog, Hove's remarkable, uh, remarkable run was akin to that of Michael Jordan's, whom he often compared himself to. But like Jordan, when Hove decided to come out of retirement with a new album, Kingdom Come, his performance was a far cry from what the public had become accustomed to, resulting in the effort becoming his most maligned, by public opinion um did either one of you guys listen to the album uh, i i did and i mean uh it, it it wasn't a good album in my I opinion don't think, i don't think it um, was either but i also again like with eminem i don't think this was his weakest album uh, just I mean, my personal right. opinion. I I can think of of weaker albums that he put out. I mean, when you think of the best albums so. by Jay Z, the majority of people would probably say the Black Album is definitely up there in the running as being one as being one of his best. Um, a lot of people say uh, uh, Hard Knock Life Volume Two or Blueprint uh, would probably be up there, um, or even going as far back as Reasonable Doubt. Um, but, um, I mean, the reason with that, I mean, that's for like the, the, like the beginning stages of his career and everyone was like, oh man, you can't top what he did, be, did in the beginning. Cause you know how some old heads are. Um, but you know, kingdom come didn't really, 
it didn't really hit the same way, you know what I mean, as the other albums did. And I don't know if it was like, you know how like you, you, you quit doing something for a while and then you try to get back into it and you think you can, you know, perform or rap or whatever the same way you did it before and it doesn't hit right. It doesn't feel the same. And I think a lot of time, and it also, it could be a generational thing where it's like you were gone for so long when you came back nobody was fucking with your type of music anymore. They had already moved on to something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah I can Roger, what about you? I, mean, I know you're not a big Jay-Z fan, so you probably didn't <laughs> listen to this album. I mean, they all, this album sounded the same as his other one, so... I forget that you, 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 you don't like uh, Mr. Sean Carter. He's trash. There you go. We shall withhold judgment, ladies and gentlemen. So, that being yeah. said, though, I mean, uh, I, I, while we're talking about Jay Z, um, uh, agree or disagree, his his best album, in my opinion, was Collision Course with him in absolutely. No, no, no. I okay. actually like the Hard Knock Life album. Hard Knock Life Volume Two. Really? Yeah. That's actually the only, well, not the only one, but those are the only two albums that I really actually tolerate by Jay-Z. I don't okay. listen to all, well, I don't listen to all of, uh, yeah, I don't listen to all of both of them. I just can't, I just can't Yeah, but does, does, well, let me ask this question. Does the, does Collision Course count because it was a, not a, because it was a mashup and it wasn't really, it was a collaboration, rather, album, as opposed to just Jay-Z by himself as a performer? Or would you still consider it? I mean, it, it's Jay Z's on it, so obviously it's him. But it's it's a collaboration between him and Lincoln Park. So does that count? Because we can honestly say that you know Jay Z, you know it it did did it sell because of Jay Z or did it sell because of Lincoln Park or did it sell because of the 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 combination of different songs that they mashed together? Um, because certain songs didn't really because certain songs like worked really very well together. And then someone's like, "Really? They mixed Paper Cut with uh, with a Big Pimpin? That's different, <laughs> you know." Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, that that would be my question. Would you would you still consider it a Jay Z album, or is it a collabor? Is it a collaboration, or would you rather have like it's Hard Knock Life, the best album that Jay Z, Jay just Jay Z did? Would you go there, or would you say that uh, Collision Course would definitely be the one that he had his most? Success. I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to ask this question, so it's not confusing people. I mean, no, I, I I get what you're saying. Um, if we're just talking about solo studio albums, uh, I would say Volume Two, Hard Knock Life, is his best. But overall, as an artist, Collision Course would probably be his best work. I don't know if it's really. I mean, he's just a mashup, so I mean, he didn't really. Yeah make new with it right yeah uh now i i, I will say that 444 444 was was a pretty good album if you haven't heard that one roger uh i think you probably checked out of jay-z a long time before that but uh <laughs> it, um, <laughs> yes. it was it was decent but it's decent, good enough to surpass for someone who's held in such a high esteem. Uh, well, 
Well, know? look at it this way. I mean, and they even said it in the uh, in the in the blurb that I just read. He he always compared himself to Michael Jordan. The Michael Jordan was considered, you know, is considered, probably still is considered, the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. But even after those, after he retired from the Bulls, he went up and joined up with with the Washington Wizards, and they, he he, you know, he was still Michael Jordan, but he wasn't playing like Michael Jordan from, you know, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. You know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't that guy anymore. You know, so it's kind of similar to the whole Jay Z thing. Right. That, yeah, he had all these great albums, and he quote unquote retired, and then he came back with Kingdom Come and. He wasn't that guy anymore. You know, it's kind of kind of almost parallel, if you will. But my thing is, is Jay-Z really, before he retired, was he really Michael Jordan? Or is he more like a Draymond Green? You know, looks good. Seems like he's good. But when it's time for him to hold that mantle, he ain't really like that. Yeah, see, I wouldn't. Uh, me personally, I wouldn't compare Jay Z to Michael oh, I, Jordan. I mean, I wouldn't either. Aspect. I'm just going by what the blurb said. Oh, I know, but I'm mean, just saying, like, but I mean, he does I, compare himself to Jordan. He does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know anybody else that does. But I don't but know anybody does. who. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you got that confidence in yourself to say, "Yeah, I'm Michael Jordan of of hip hop," okay, but that means you got to prove it every single time you you know step on stage or hit or get in the booth. Like you got to prove it every single time, you know. And I can honestly say, like, there was a point that maybe Jay Z at one point maybe he was one of the biggest stars in hip-hop at the time but he ain't been the biggest superstar in in years like decades even you know because to be real like when he when he got big was around the time when he started doing stuff like big pimping where he did features with other people that made him good right then he got with beyonce when he had Kanye pretty much write his stuff and do stuff with him. So when was Jay-Z good? It's always been my question. I mean, I guess you would have to go, I mean, and I'm throwing out a guess here. I guess you would have to go all the way back to reasonable doubt, I guess. Uh, I guess, but if you look at reasonable doubt, um, that was, I mean, if you're just looking at like where that album charted and whatnot, um, it didn't even make it to number one. Okay. Reasonable Doubt only made it as high as number 23. So was his biggest album, would you say, was it Hard Knock Life Volume 2? I think 1998. I think so, man. Like, yeah. I mean, if 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 we're just looking at where his albums charted, Reasonable Doubt charted at 23. In My Lifetime Volume One charted at three. Uh, volume Two, Volume Three, uh, The Dynasty, the Rock La Familia album, the first and second Blueprint, the Black album, Kingdom Come, American Gangster, Blueprint Three. Magna Carter and 444 all charted at one. 
So, I mean, if we're just looking at that, his weakest album would have to be mm. Reasonable Doubt. Um, but I would still say that Volume 2, A Hard Knock Life, is his best period maybe with a close second probably being blueprint one or or uh the black album the black album black album yeah yeah for me the black album would be his second best album and i i'm i'm sure there's going to be a lot of other hip-hop heads that are going to disagree with that but but here's the track list for for uh hard knock life uh you have hard knock life if I should die, ride or die, uh, Jigawat, Jigahoo, Money Cash Hoes, a week ago, uh, coming of age, can I get a what what, paper chase, Reservoir Dogs, it's like that. Like, how's that not his best album? Right, right. Nah, I agree. Oh. Uh, like, 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 that's always been my thing. Like, I'm like, every time I hear his album, I'm like, I mean, it's an okay album, but people was acting like it was literally like always the second comment or something like that. Like, I mean, it's all right, but it ain't that. Right. Yeah. Uh, what was it? It wasn't until, uh, what, when did he? Put out Big Pimpin'. What album that was, was that on? Blueprint One, I think. Yeah, it was on the first. Was it? Do what? Was it on Volume One? I think so. Wasn't it? I gotta look it up real quick then. I don't. I don't know the album like we, that. We, we know. We know you let's don't see. know the album like that. <laughs> volume One. Let's see. No, it's not. Let's look. I wanted to look. It wasn't on Volume. Was three. it on Blueprint? Blueprint, maybe. Because uh, it was him featuring uh, UGK, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, nope. The only song off of the Blueprint that I remember, is, or uh, the two songs, was Izzo and Renegade when M killed him <laughs> on his own shit. I mean, you're laughing, but that's no. I'm laughing because I because I believe it. <laughs> it's uh, funny, but anyway, let's see. What was that on? We sitting here trying to figure out what album Big Pimpin' Volume Three. Was it on volume three? Yep. I must have missed it when I looked at that. It was, okay. it was volume three. So literally the year after, so ninety nine. Yeah. But then again, what else was on that album? Nothing. Uh, volume three uh, yeah. was uh I mean he had he had the track with Dre, but other than that, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah. So, like I'm saying, like his follow up album after Volume Two had one song. <laughs> yeah, 
Then the following one from that was the the dynasty with. I mean, but that was him featuring. It was kind of like Doctor Dre's property. Yeah, uh, that was kind of like uh, when Dre left um, Death Row and came out with that album, The Aftermath, where it was literally him promoting everybody that was on his aftermath out or a label yeah you know so the blueprint one has uh izzo and renegade uh yeah jigadat girls girls girls, girls. girls, girls. all and i need in the video too but really like i mean his elbows ain't that strong like no they're not that's the thing right so then uh volume then blueprint two had mm, diamonds is forever oh wait i thought that was a kanye song it is that's what's weird he had a different one version i guess but that didn't have nothing on it then mm. the black album actually was they uh, had uh dirt off my shoulders problems. uh 99 problems, problems. Uh, change clothes. Bingo. But yeah, like, I mean, like somebody in the comments wants to dispute yeah, us. Go ahead, but <laughs> but let us see what you're trying to see because we ain't yeah. seeing it. Nope, not at all. All right, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, we talked yeah. enough, Jay Z. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <again>, so <it's laughs> and you feel the tension, ladies um, and gentlemen. So the the next album is uh, Rebirth by Lil Wayne, and I agree that it's, it's probably his worst, and it's still absolute trash. I agree. So, was it his worst? Yes. Uh, was it? Was it? Uh, or was it Rebirth Two? You know, he did a follow up to this follow up. No, he didn't. No, he I think didn't. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh, what? Why? Oh, okay. Go 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 ahead and read the blurb and then we'll, we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm so mad about that. <laughs> so uh, <coughs> seeing an album, <laughs> seeing an album. I just can't believe that. You, like, just, no you just flustered him so bad he can't even read this. Oh lord! All right. So uh, seeing an artist bloom and evolve around right before your eyes. Um, always allows you to witness their flaws and missteps, which has made Lil Wayne one of the most beloved and intriguing rap stars of this generation. Um, from finding his footing on early albums like The Block Is Hot, to toying with flows and inventing rhyme schemes out of thin air on the first three installments of the Carter, Weezy had laid credence to the proclamations of being the best rapper alive. Um, however, with the modern-day rock star attempted to tap into the genre of Rebirth, the genre on Rebirth, I mean, uh, the result was met with generally negative reviews. Uh, Weezy's fans weren't quite ready for this foray into rock, and the reception was met with more skips than hits. Because it's trash. He only had, like, what? That one song, Prom Queen? Was that it? He had no songs. No. He had Drop the World with Eminem, where M killed him on his own shit again. You know wait a second. Wait a second. Own. Wait a second. Wait a second. Yes. I thought that... Okay, wait. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of the song No Love. Never mind. Go ahead. 
I mean, Prom Queen's on it, on fire, da da da, knockout, and dropped the World War to singles. Yeah. But he does not have a rebirth, too. No, it was uh, I Am Not a Human Being that I was thinking of. That one was the fault with. We are not the same. I am a Martian. Well, so after Rebirth, he put out. Uh, it was actually the same year he put out I Am Not a Human Being. Yeah, he was doing uh, a rap album and a rock album all in the same year. Yeah. Uh, but then, it, I mean. The album's trash, too. Yeah. What he had. Uh, the Carter Donneria, Donneria featuring Drake. What's wrong with them? Featuring featuring Nicki Minaj right above it with Drake. Um, yeah, money. I mean, what's so bad is that the I Am Not a Human Being sold a million copies in America. Yeah, so it still went platinum. <clears throat> and then you had the Carter Four, which sold uh, two point two million world, uh, in the U.S. and three point five million worldwide. Followed by I Am Not a Human Being Two, which was. 529,000, thankfully. Then he had uh, the Free Wheezy album. This is when him and uh, Birdman started their feud. Yeah. Uh, the which, Carter 5. Yeah. Uh, Funeral. 40,000. Funeral was actually a good album. Yeah, I, I missed it. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't it just came it. out last year. Um, Hold on. Hold on. It's the album. Like the uh, cover the album, it spells out uh, funeral, but if you flip it upside down, it spells out Little Wayne. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, I didn't miss this album. This was a good album. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, great, but it's a good album compared yeah, to what he did before. Because <laughs> he had that song with uh, Adam Levine on there. Uh, oh, what was that? Trust yeah, Nobody. Trust, trust Nobody. Uh, and then he had that uh, uh, Get Out of My Head featuring Triple X. I figured you'd like the Harden song. Uh, I mean, it was good. Oh, that's dope. It's an ambiogram. That's but, sweet. I, I just now seen out? the album cover. I've never, I never even heard of this album. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's what I said if you flip it over. That's yeah, dope. But, yep. But, yeah. I mean, it's got, it's really good. It's super heavy featured, though. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I think my favorite song is I do it with a uh, Big Sean and Little Baby, though. Yeah. But God, this album also has production. This album has production for Manny Fresh. He brought the man back. That's that's why it did so good. <laughs> he only produced, well, quote unquote, only produced one. But we know how Manny Fresh is. Oh, he's got yeah. two two credited production roles. But we know how it really is. <laughs> right. I mean, he had a lot of big, a lot of like modern day producers on it. He had Infamous, uh, Mike Will Made It, uh, Murder Beats, uh, a couple of other Monster Beats on the uh, track T.O. featuring O.T. Genesis. O.T. Genesis? That's got to be a wrestler's name. O.T. Yeah. Genesis. <laughs> no, but uh, it should have been. Then on the, the, the deluxe edition. He had that song with Benny the Butcher and Conway the Conway Machine. Conway the Machine. Russian <laughs> Roulette. Yes. That one's actually a good album, though. Oh, that my one's God. Benny Fresh. Yes. Bro, have you not heard Benny the Butcher I have and not Conway heard the Machine? Those dudes are monsters. Bro. Bro. Homework. Shoot me, shoot Homework. me a link. Yes. 
Go on, uh, just go. On, just go in the group chat. If if you get Spotify, if you or get you Spotify, just send me a link. Just get Spotify. Quit being a dick. Just send me a link. I am yeah. sending you a link. Uh, Benny the Butcher and Conway the Machine together are uh, part of Griselda. Yeah. Yeah, uh, along with uh, West Side Gun. <clears throat> Dude, they were, if I'm not mistaken, they were uh, signed to Shady. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were. They were signed. Uh, actually, they're still signed to, to Shady uh, Records, Records right now. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely, which is a monster, though. Yeah, definitely okay. check him out. Uh, dude is the truth. So, yeah, did you send him a link? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh move on to the the next okay. one. Appreciate you. Uh oh, hold on. Yeah, I say appreciate you, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to you. I know, but I didn't know he was doing it sarcastically, so I was like, okay. No, I'm in. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why would I say appreciate it sarcastically? Uh, it makes no up. sense. All right. Uh, some people, some people do it. Yeah, I do. Uh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Chip, you got the next one? Uh. Yeah, next up we're gonna talk about Big Daddy Kane and his fourth album, Prince Kane. of Darkness. Uh, yes. So uh to the Victor Goes the Spoils in the early nineties, Big Daddy Kane was in the midst of a winning streak that led many to peg him as one of the promising faces of hip hop, delivering a pair of commercially successful commercially successful albums with Long Live the Kane and It's a Big Daddy Thing. Kane's aspirations ultimately compromised the direction his music took on later releases, most notably his fourth album, Prince of Darkness. Criticized for relying heavily on vocal contributions from R&B singers and its lack of aggression, Prince of Darkness impacted Kane's approval rating for the worst and remains a blemish on his record. Um, now, the the ironic thing that I, I find there is the fact that they say he relied heavily on R and B vocals, but that's literally what people do nowadays. So, well, I mean, back then, like we know, it was all about lyricism. You had to be the the rapper, you know. So that's probably why, because it was the nineties. I mean, it was ninety one, especially. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, nowadays, as if he would have released that album nowadays, he'd be back on top. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, he had that one song, uh, "Come On Down" featuring Q-Tip and Busta Rhymes. Yeah, yep. y'all remember yeah. that one? Yep. I think that's the yeah. one I actually recognize on the album though. Um, he had uh, "Groove It" featuring Larry Williams. That one was good. And uh, the Lover and You feature, also featuring Lil Ray Williams. Uh, those were pretty good. But I, I would say that the, the best one, for me, in my opinion, was Come On Down with yeah. Q-Tip and Busta Rhymes. Yeah. Busta and Rhymes. this is young Busta, too. Uh, right? This was, um, yeah, 
this was 91 so right out of uh yep Legion right around that time school. yeah mm-hmm. um i mean and if you go back and you look at you know i mean obviously when if you compare this album to like it's a big daddy thing and you know long live the cane i mean yeah there's i mean there's no comparison because those two albums were just i mean they were amazing albums you know he had hits like raw ain't no half step and set it off you know but and again it it kind of blows my mind that it was and and i i agree back in the night early 90s if you were a hip-hop artist lyricism was where it was at you know and people believe i don't know where people would rank big daddy kane as far as as far as just a pure lyricist goes I would assume that they would have him in, the, in that the majority of people would rank him in probably the top twenty-five, maybe, possibly. Um, but I mean, some people might have him in the top ten. I wouldn't. I would. I would probably say he's maybe more in the top twenty-five category, maybe. Um, but for for them to say, okay, well, he relied too heavily on R and B, like. Yeah, kind of like what you said, Raj. If it took, if he dropped this particular album in today's climate, he'd have a couple of sh- number one hit- hits from it. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> what's ironic is you were saying where uh, people would rank Big Daddy Kane. MTV actually ranked him at number seven in the greatest Interesting. Okay. of all time list. Who who uh, who were the six uh, that uh, outranked him? You want to save that? Save that. that. Okay, we saved that for. All right, so in four weeks, we're going to come back. (laughs) 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 My God, we're doing this shit now. Here we go. (laughs) All right, well, we'll we'll pause on that one. We'll we'll come back to that at a different time then. Yes, sir. Um, That being said, though, um, I guess we will move on to the next one. And it is Rest in Peace. DMX, Year of the Dog, again. Few artists in the history of rap have taken off with the momentum that DMX experienced. As the first, as as the as the rapper's first five studio albums all debuted atop the Billboard 200 charts and reached platinum status. However, after enduring personal turmoil while investigating an ever-changing musical landscape. DMX looked to recapture that magic with Year of the Dog again, which arrived after a three-year hiatus. Year of the Dog Again was his first album after departing from Def Jam, but while he still managed to top the rap charts, the effort did not encompass the excellence displayed on previous offerings and marked a low point in the Rough Rough Rider artist's career. Uh, now, if you guys listen to our Life and Times of uh, Earl Simmons, Rest in Peace DMX episode that we uh, put out a couple of weeks ago in lieu of his passing, um, we actually did speak about this album. Um, not in detail like we did with, you know, and then there was X and, um, you know, It's Dark and Hell is Hot um, and, and his previous records. Um, but I would say, I'll, yeah, I think... Well, it would be this album or it would be his next album, Undisputed, which were his two albums that didn't really resonate compared to his other work. Um, How do you guys feel? Um, I think this one probably is his weakest one. 
Yeah, because I can only think of three songs off this this album, uh, and they all had features. There were um, "We in Here" that has Swiss beats on it, uh, "Come Through," which had Swiss beats and Busta Rhymes, and "It's Personal," which had uh, Jada Kiss and Styles right. P on it. Yeah, this <clears throat> app. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, I mean, compared comparable to "It's Dark and It's Hot." Compared yeah. to his first five albums, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and that's not to say that it was a bad album. It just wasn't. It wasn't the album that it was. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't like previous albums. But that being said, I mean, it wasn't a bad album. It was. It was the least captivating of the DMX albums. But I don't think it was a bad album. I mean, it wasn't mm. trash. I wouldn't say it was trash. It's definitely his definitely worst album, worst yes, album. but I wouldn't say it's yeah. trash. Yeah, I, no. Uh, yeah, it was definitely his weakest. <laughs> yeah. For for sure. Because uh, even the next album, Undisputed, it, it, it brought him back. Right. In my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of a toss-up between Year of the Dog and Undisputed as term in terms of like, you know, because I mean the Great Depression and Grand Champion and and then there was X and all them, you know. Um, but you know, but that being said, we are going to move on to the next uh, album. And uh, Rod, you got it. Uh, yes. So the next one. Oh, sorry. Um, is Dr. Dre's The Aftermath. Um, so after uh, extricating himself from Death Row Records in 1996, it didn't take long for Dr. Dre to regroup and launch his new record label, Aftermath Entertainment, um, which is, as I say, the one we know very iconically for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, Dre had a reputation as the most prolific producer in hip-hop history, and was revered as the sonic architect of multiple classics. This gave, oh, sorry. this gave reason to believe that the good doctor would pick right up where he left off. However, when Dr. Dre presents the aftermath with Unveiled later that year, the reception was lukewarm at best. Aside from the lead single, Been There Done That, the album is oft-forgotten and was a rare miss on his part. I mean, that's literally the only song that I know off of that album. Um, I've really, done that. I really forgot about the album. Uh, well, so I also wonder if this album should be considered his worst because it is a compilation album, not an actual Dr. Dre album. Uh, is you know it a compilation? I mean? It is a compilation. So Dre himself has only put out three albums. The Chronic, Chronic 2001, and Compton. Um, you know, f- there for the longest, there was the rumor that the album Detox was going to come out, but he Never. opted to do, <laughs> yeah, he opted to do Compton instead of Detox. Uh, and then. <clears throat> um, Isn't he still working on Detox, though? It's going to be. That's it's what gonna, they say. It, but it's going to be another stampede of the disco happen. elephants. You hear rumors about it, rumors about it. Is it ever going to happen? We don't know. We've been we've been promised detox for how many years now? 
at least uh i mean literally since yeah well since well, well, he dropped the chronic in uh the chronic 2001 in uh in 99 but they even talk about it on that album well shit gang talks about it in the, in the song uh west coast from uh doctor's advocate where he talked about uh i'm the doctor's advocate call this a sneak peek at the motherfucking detox you know and it's like they yeah. ever gonna do this shit <laughs> and then i remember uh no. tyler creator also had a, had a bar from again a game song uh martians versus goblins where he goes I suck. Where's your fucking ring pops? You got a better chance of getting the advanced copy of Detox. You know, it's like, Jesus, man. Like, like they really, really pushing, you know, if it would ever happen. Um, I, I do have a question, though, and I might have heard this in passing or seen it on TV, you know, in, in a weird way. Um, because if, I, if I'm not mistaken, you said something about this being a collaboration album. Am I correct? Compilation album. Okay. A compilation album. Okay. It is a compilation album. Didn't, He's only didn't he didn't Dre like get into it with Suge Knight over this album because he was using certain beats and stuff that was created under the Death Row banner? Something along the lines like when he left, um, Suge said, You have my blessing, but to leave, but you're not going to use any of Death Row's material to help move you forward or something like that. I think it was the VH1 about. I think it was a VH1 uh, behind the I music. So. Remember, remember back when VH1 did behind the music? Uh, um, it was one of those yeah. episodes. Uh, I think so, and that's I think that's why uh, Dre kind of created that G funk right. sound. You know, it was it was less like hardcore West Coast and and more of like pianos yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I mean, it samples a lot of old yeah, and songs synthesizers too, too. I mean, you can you can hear a lot of it. Um, certain songs use synthesizers and very, you know. Did he use eight hundred eight bass drums? Was that was that a West Coast thing, or was that were they did that was that even a thing at that point? The eight hundred eight drums. Um, I don't know if he did or did it. I, I like I said, I don't even remember this album. Okay. Well, yeah. Okie dokie, Smokey. Let's let's um let's move on to the next one. Um, go ahead, Jeff. I was go gonna ahead. say. Well, hold on. Uh, I was gonna say there. So we were talking about the rumor of detox, uh, but there's also rumor of a couple of other upcoming albums, uh, featuring Dr. Dre. Uh, and most of those are, um, like, how would you, not compilation albums, but concept albums. Um, not 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 concept. Uh, like collaboration him and another artist. Yeah, that's it. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry. Um, so. I'm trying to find it real quick um, because he was supposed to have uh, a compilation or a, a collaborative album with, um, I want to say Frank Ocean. Um, oh, Frankie Ocean. I don't know. 
Yeah, I lost it. So what were you looking up? Uh, the the collaboration albums that Dre was supposed to be putting out. Oh, I don't know. I don't think there's actually. Yeah, I I, I remembered reading about it uh, a couple of times. Rumors, like there was supposed to be a couple of collaborative albums that were going to come out. Um, like around the same time that he dropped his last album of Compton. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I can't, I honestly, I cannot remember the names of those. So, with that, we'll just move on to the next one. Yeah, you got uh, Jim. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about the locks, money, power, respect. Um, <clears throat> so, recruited by Diddy as the final piece to the Bad Boy Records nucleus, the locks made an immediate splash, putting forth impressive displays of their rhyme skills on various mixtapes and lending their Yonkers NY flavor to remixes of popular R&B cuts. These showings, along with their pedigree as authentic rhyme pugilists from the streets, made their major record label debut, Money, Power, Respect, one of the most enticing introductory efforts of its time. Unfortunately, the influence of Puff and a reliance on bad boy hit-making formula proved to be a detriment ultimately shifting the trajectory of their career moving forward. Um, what, what what do you say about this, Roger? I know uh, pre-recording, you you said you were shocked that that album was even on here. Well, I just don't get it, get why it's on there. Like, um, it's supposed to be their worst albums. Yes. But it's not. <laughs> no. Um, I think it's actually their best album. It's their first album. Yeah, and... I mean, if if you just look at the chart positions, this uh, peaked at number three. Their second album, "We Are the Streets," was at five. Their third, "Filthy America," it's beautiful at forty-two, and their last album, which just was released in twenty twenty, called "Living Off of Experience," peaked at one fifty-four. So, well, the thing is, like. Um... This album is probably the one people only real remember from the logs to begin with. Um, some people may remember the second album, but nobody knows yeah, the third I album or the, the fourth album. I remember that it's when they did. Um, I remember the song "Ride or Die Chick" with Eve that they did. Um, there was also, I mean, I think that was the only song that they had that came out as a single for that uh, album. But with "Money, Power, Respect." I mean, I mean the song. I mean the the, the 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 single "Money, Power, Respect." I mean that that beat was incredible. You know, I think it was one of the most. I won't say overused beats, but it was definitely one that I think is, uh, you know, in terms of like, I mean, how many how many you know TV shows like how many times have you watched like? And I'm this is a weird scenario, so just follow me on this. You're watching MTV Cribs or something, and then when they pan when they zoom into the thing, you hear money power respect the instrumental version playing over in the background as they're going through somebody's house like i mean it's a very you know i mean you 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 hear it you know pretty much everywhere i mean it's so iconic with the with the violins and the drum beats and everything like that i mean it's very powerful 
in a sense. Um, but not just Money, Power, Respect. They also, you know, had other good songs. They had the song, uh, I Want to Thank You, featuring Kelly Price. Um, and then on top of doing, like, their collaboration stuff, they also had solo uh, tracks on the album as well. Like, you know, Sheik Loke did one uh, called Gonna Be Some Shit. Jada did one with uh, All For The Love. Um, but I also think that, you know, in the year 2000, um, if I'm not mistaken, did the locks separate? Or were, or was it a, like, was a situation of they just broke off and wanted to do their own thing because all three of them had actually, they did. I think Jada probably Jada kiss probably had the best solo career out of, out of the three. Would you guys agree? Uh, I don't know. Between uh, him and Style Speed, maybe uh, I guess Jada kiss put more albums out, but style speed was, he's, I, I guess he's more of a feature kind of guy. So he's always relevant in oh, that way. I, I really uh, didn't like that. But I mean, right. Like, like, I don't I think they really separated the, the song. Um, okay, huh? like I get high, high. like uh, the, the music. I remember the music video of, of from that song. Um, uh, what was the name of that album that he did? Uh, was it uh, was it Ghost? I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll look it up real quick. Who? Who? Styles, Styles P? P. I can't remember the hit. What? what, what you talking about Styles P? Oh. Yes. Yes, I'm, I'm talking about Styles P. I'm just uh, trying to remember. Are you just trying to? Which I'm album, trying to remember which album had that album? song on it. Shit, he had a few. Um, damn, he's had damn, he's had he's way had more albums, albums than I thought he did. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, thirteen albums, bro. Uh, Gangster and the Gentleman is one you're thinking of. Let me look. Was uh, Good Times? Yes. Gangster and the Gentleman. Yep. That, yeah. Okay. That was his, 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 his debut solo record. Album. Yeah. 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 That album, that album was pretty good. I mean, damn, twenty four tracks, but I mean, it was, it was there. Um, but yeah, but Jada Kiss was the one I think. But it, go ahead. I'm sorry. What? I, mean, I don't know. No, like I know what you're saying. Like Jada Kiss probably is more known for his solo stuff. Like I'm saying, Styles P's man. If you get him on a feature, like he was, you know like, he was on the Akon song. He's like, yeah. he's like the new yeah. age Nate Dog. Locked up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but I mean, Jada had. A shit ton of um, shit ton too. Um, let's see, he had his solo career was pretty much uh, you know he had kissed the game goodbye two thousand one kiss of death the last kiss. Um, I mean he's only put uh, out Jada's only put out uh, yeah he did a collaboration albums, though with Fabulous you know? too uh, Friday oh. on Elm Street that was in two thousand seventeen. Um, but yeah, I mean he just came up with that album recently. Uh... What do you call it? Ignatius. Ignatius. No, that's not the one I was thinking of. But yes, he did. Um, yeah, that was his most recent album. Yeah. Are you you're talking about top five dead top or five alive? alive? Yeah, yeah, that was in 2015. Ignatius was in 2020. That uh, top five dead or alive. Was a <laughs> I just remember. I just remember the yes, song that he did with Anthony Hamilton, uh, "Why" from the Kiss of Death album. You guys remember that one? Oh yeah. That was no, I, yeah, I like that was that. a yeah. badass song. That was and this was very, uh, very anti, um, anti Bush administration. Um, not 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 the whole song, but he would ask questions that made a lot of sense, and people just didn't, you know, like, um, is like, why is Jada Kiss as hard as it gets? Why is the industry designed to keep the artists in debt? You know, like, and just going down that wormhole of like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. Um, I gotta go back and listen to that song, man. That song was so good. But anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I, uh, veer us away from the topic. Y'all go ahead. 
<laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> I mean that. I mean it's on top of this. We was talking about locks. Not like that. I mean, if to move on, it'd be you next anyway. So you don't. All right. That being said, I don't know if anybody else had anything else to add. So, um, all right. That being said, no. I mean, it's a good. It's a good album, though. I don't. I don't see how it's considered their weakest album. I don't either. I disagree. It's by far their strongest album. Like A one, A one, A two. This one and We Are the Streets. I think they kind of go hand in hand because they came out. In close proximity, yeah, two years apart. But I mean, two they were still apart. close. And then the next thing you heard, you didn't hear anything from them like studio album until like what, like five six years. Later. It yeah. was sixteen years later. Now, granted, the, yeah, oh, granted, yeah. they all three broke later. off and did their own solo thing, which you know, which I guess I don't, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're like the hip hop version of the Avengers. They come together when everyone needs them or something. I don't know. Um, that being said, we're gonna move on to the next album, which is the Dog Father. By Snoop Dogg, or Snoop Doggy Dogg, as it says on the album cover. Now, Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style is a landmark debut in hip-hop, and the first to send the culture into a feeding frenzy the second hit the second it hit the streets and airwaves. On the other hand, Snoop's sophomore album, The Dog Father, was lackluster by most accounts and a far cry from the brilliant follow-up many critics and listeners have predicted. Snoop would bounce back to regain his mojo on the subsequently releases, but the the dog father remains overlooked in comparison to the rest of the LPs in his catalog, and for good reason. That being said, what did you guys think about the dog father? Uh, it might be his, his weakest album. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to follow up his debut, though. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it's really hard. I mean, when you come out with Doggy Style that had so many bangers on it, and then you followed up with this that... Um, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not strong. Like, it, like right. I said, it, it probably is Well, this was around the time also, 1996. Um, uh, there, was, there was some turmoil, wasn't it? I mean, this was right... I mean, because this was November of 1996... And if I'm not mistaken, this was after Tupac's death. Am I correct on that one? Yeah. So the yeah, so it was. I'm pretty sure um, that weighed heavy on Snoop when he was making the album. I'm sure that there was a lot of infighting within people at, from uh, Death Row Records at that point. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I would say, golly, I mean, out of all of them, I mean, because he did that, he was he did you know Doggy Style. I mean, that was a classic. Um, then you had the Dog Father. Um, ironically enough, though, they say that it's a weak album. I mean, and it's two times platinum. So right away, right there, it's like, okay, well, it's, it's two times platinum. Um, but, but compared to like his next three releases were all No Limit releases. Uh, the Game is to be Sold, Not Told, No Limit, Top Dog, and The Last Meal. Um, and then he, you had, you know... Which were all really good albums. They were all three of those albums right. were much better. Um, than and then this you one. had uh, "Pay the Cost to Be the Boss" that he released on Priority, um, "Rhythm and Gangsta," the masterpiece, uh, the Blue Carpet Treatment, "Ego Trippin," "Malice in Winter," "Malice in Wonderland," the documentary "Reincarnated." That was when he was doing the, uh, the Rastafarian. Um, uh, he was going through his Rastafarian thing. Uh, then he did Bush, Kool-Aid, Never Left, Bible of Love, um, 
I want to thank me. And then he had, and then he released from the streets to the suites. And that was released in, on uh, 420 of 2021. So very recently. So I didn't even know what either. Oh, I didn't I even know that. Then. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I don't know about it either. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, a little yeah. over a month old. Yeah. So, but yeah, but uh, back to, um, the dog father. Um, I mean, yeah, it did sell to, you know, you know, 2 million records in the United States, you know, and you know, the, 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 the album was pretty much, you know, it generally moderate reviews. I mean, it wasn't trash, but then again, it wasn't really his best work compared to his other stuff. It wasn't his best work. Um, the only really like singles that he had was uh, Snoop's under Snoop's uh, Snoop's upside your head, Vapors, and Dogfather that was um, released in 1996, and then two afterwards in '97. Um, it says the background. It says Dr. Dre, who was Death Row's Death Row Records in-house producer, had left earlier in 1996 to start his own record label, which led Snoop's first cousin Daz to become. Uh, Death Road's head producer. He worked on, so he worked. He was the one who worked on the record. The murder of Snoop's close friend and fellow rapper label mate Tupac Shakur in September of 1996 also weighed heavy on him. Shakur appeared on the closing track outro under the name Machiavelli, which he began using for a short while before his passing. So yeah, um, yeah, I would definitely say out of all the albums, this album was probably I think. Here's the thing. I think due to the extenuating circumstances that surrounded what was happening at the time, I think that that hurt the album more than just like, oh, well, he just, he overthunk it or something like that. And he just put out a bad album. You know, it wasn't his, you know, I can legitimately honestly sit here and say, you know what? This album being one of his weakest albums was probably, and I would say, yeah, it, it wasn't his fault. Dre had left. Tupac had died and it weighed heavy on his heart. Um, so yeah, I mean, extenuating circumstances definitely made this album not as good as the, it probably could have been. Would you guys agree? Uh, maybe, but also the lyrics on it weren't as as good as... I mean, even if if your producer leaves and you know, you don't have a fire beat. Uh, the least you could do is put out fire lyrics, and they just they weren't Roger. there on this album. Yeah, I agree with Chip on this one, really. Though, um, I mean, I, growing up, I mean, like, but here's the thing. Also, with me, like. Like I told you guys before, I didn't really listen to West Coast much back in the day. Okay. So, I mean, I, I did go back and listen to some of this stuff, but this definitely is, I was not bumping <laughs> okay. with this one. Right. No, not me either. I, I'm pretty positive that I bought the album. And, and gave then, it back. <laughs> yes. Uh, because I was expecting, you know, the, the same style that i got from doggy style and 
it's not no. not at all so that being said so, Raj move on to the next one move on to the next one man this one's gonna hurt my heart a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> come with right. it so the next one is uh, old chef Raekwon uh, immobility yep yeah immobility uh, <laughs> I burped sorry <laughs> Uh, Raekwon's breakout performance on Wu Tang Clan's debut album, Enter the Wu Tang 36 Chambers, which is the creation of Fire. Um, yes. It led the way for the release of his solo set, Only Built for Cuban Links, which is a really great album. Um, a cinematic deep dive into the world of cocaine trafficking, the album was hailed as an instant classic with, intip- uh, with anticipation for the follow up of a fever pitch. <clears throat> However, when Ray unveiled immobility four years later the reception was lukewarm with many listeners deeming the finished product as being stepped on and lacking the sheer potency of its predecessor um yeah i probably do have to agree with it being the weakest raycon album just solo raycon album but is it uh and i say that to to mention his third solo album the lex diamond story Hmm. (laughs) i don't know man i don't know see i'm i like rick like of course my favorite my favorite song by requiem was um guillotine off of the uh off of the first album um just you know poisonous paragraph smashing pull them half half leaving the specter deck on the warpath um you know just yeah, that that that, that, that song today still <laughs> sticks with me. Like I, I, every time, it's like <laughs> it's like when well, I teach you the skills of Shaolin, the special technique of shadow boxing. <laughs> like oh shit! I mean, his first album is yeah, man. super like, nasty. That, that that I, I mean, oh, I yeah. love the whole entire first album. Uh, Rainy days that he had, did with Ghost and the uh, and Blue Raspberry. Um, you know, Guillotine is obviously you know with respect to that Ghostface and Jizza. Um, but there was also like um, he, a lot of, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, ice cream was on it. On yep. Heaven and hell was on it as well. With Ghostface, Woo Gambino. criminology with Ghostface. <laughs> he, he did a lot of features with Ghostface. I mean, it's though, just, you know, that, like, like I said, this one was definitely. Well, I mean, you got to uh, think uh, he's no, coming out. Uh, I mean, you, you're coming out of one of the most prolific hip hop groups of all time to do a solo album. Obviously, you're going to rely on some of right. what brought you to the dance um, and then part two actually came out in 2009 and that was uh that was really good um but as far as this particular album immobility um i mean i vibe with it i mean it was good i mean they, they had a lot of you know had a lot of good they had uh-huh. um they had fuck them featuring method man was on there um let's see it had uh what was the other album? what was the other song uh the table featuring master killer was on there as well um he had one um God, what was it? I, I want to say it was um, Jury featuring Kim Stevens. Um, that was um, either that was the one, or was it? Or my favorite Jury. It was one of them two. Jury, my favorite Dread that I remember. I got it, man. I gotta go back and listen to that album. That album was so good. But then again, you know, again, I think I, I I'm willing to venture a guess here and say that you know, because if you look at in, in, in mobility 
as a whole, there really wasn't a, aside from Method Man, Master Killer, there wasn't really a whole lot of features on this record. But at the same time, like if you go to because you know because only built for Cuban Link had a whole bunch of features, and then you look at the Lex Diamond story, and it had a whole bunch of features. Um, you know, could it? Is it one of them situations where it's like, man, you know, we were expecting Ghost to be on this with you, or we were expecting, you know, you know, I mean, aside from Method Man, you know, like who else from the Woo was actually, you know, on the album, you know, except for, you know, but. You know, because they were, I don't know, maybe if it was like, okay, we, we get it to solo record, but you didn't, you know, still didn't bring anybody else on, you know, that we was vibing with other than Method Man, you know. Could that have been maybe why the album isn't considered one of his best? It's possible. It's It's super possible that people were just expecting a bunch of features and didn't get it because i mean you're right you know only built for cuban links was um had a lot of features the lex diamond story had a bunch of features um only built for cuban links 2 uh had let me double check because i think it had a bunch of features as well um yeah it did you know it had a lot of features on it and it also had uh, production by Dr. Dre uh, on it. Uh, so uh, maybe that's why, but yeah. I, I don't know. Roger? Um, I mean, I didn't. I don't know. I might have to go back and listen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I might have to give it a, a, a listen, right. another listen. Uh, did you think uh, Immobilarity had uh, how many singles off this album? Um, I don't even think it had any singles. No, I don't think it did. Did it? No, like it, it didn't. Maybe it didn't that's drop why. A single. Hmm. Uh, the Lex Diamonds. Well, and the Lex Diamond story didn't have a single either. But if you look at like only built for Cuban Links Part Two, it dropped five singles just right. off that. Uh, and then what? Only built for Cuban Links One. I want to say it had a couple of singles. It had four singles. So, I mean, if you don't produce a single, there there's exactly. a problem there too. Yeah. So. But yeah, I'm giving myself some homework. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this album and just to see, you know, if it really was as yeah, bad as I'll have right, to give it a second chance. They say. Yeah. All right, so you got the next one, Bubba. Uh yep. Next up, uh we're gonna talk about Nas with uh Nostradamus. So uh When you're hailed as the golden child and savior of an entire genre, being average is not an option, which is a quandary Nas finds himself in with every album dropped. Writing and releasing the classic that is Illmatic, then following it up with a pair of critically acclaimed releases, 
Nas may have lost his favor among the purists set as a byproduct of his evolution into a mainstream star, but was still considered rap's preeminent mouthpiece. And then Nostradamus happened. His second album released in 1999, Nostra Nostradamus was deemed a half-hearted effort and continues to receive backlash from Nas detractors and fans alike. Uh, uh, I got, I got to be honest. Yup. I wasn't a fan for. of this album. Aside from the song that a song, aside from family that he did with mob deep, aside from project windows that he did with Ron Isley. And aside from you, owe you owe me uh featuring genuine. I was not a fan of this album. You know, I, I mean, when you compare it to Illmatic, Stillmatic, I Am, Godson, Streets Disciple, like it doesn't it, it it's not in the top like and don't get me wrong, I think Nas is top five, one of the greatest of all time in terms of lyricism, in terms of content that he talks about, in terms of themes and like in everything. Nostradamus was not one of his best records, in my opinion. What's weird is that this is the album right before Stomatic. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, yes, it was. And in my and, and Stillmatic to me, it's got not. I mean, there's a lot of songs by Nas that I love. My favorite Nas song is actually on Stillmatic. One mic. So. Yep. Yep. I'm that's such a good song, but I think it's it's one of my, it's I, one of my I, favorite. It's one of my favorite. I'm not, I'm not saying it's his best, I, but it's one of my favorites. No, but I think I'm going to catch some some flack here for this one saying by saying this. Uh, it's such a good song. I love it. It's one of my favorite Nas songs, but at the same time, I think okay. it's overplayed. My favorite song by my yeah. favorite song is "The World Is Yours." Yeah, well, that was, yeah. I remember. I remember. That's um, a good one too. I, I, I reposted it on uh, on Facebook the other day. I had posted a um, a thing of it was it was a picture of my daughter when we first brought her home, and a picture of my son side by side. And it was a, it was actually one of the stories that I put on my Facebook timeline. And the song that's playing in the background is "The World Is Yours" by Nas. Um, you know, so no, a little touching moment. You know, just yay. My kids are here. I love them. But anyway, um, but yeah, definitely a, uh, and it was also, and that was, and, and still Mac also had ether on it, which was the, what many people believe was the burial of, you know, we're not Jay-Z, talking about him again. Which, Remember you, know, he, he talked he, about this. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. 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 I'm, so, so, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> eliminated from the conversation. He's been finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, um, not, uh, Nostradamus, did you guys okay? Do you guys remember this album other than the singles? No, I don't remember really even with the singles. To be honest, um, uh, yeah, not really. I remember the um, yeah. I remember seeing the album cover at. Uh, I'm going to date Sam myself Goody's. here, but oh. at um, Fye Fye still exists though. A same good. Yeah, Knoxville Mall, West Does West Mall has one in Knoxville. It's one of their best. Wow. None, we have none down here. That's 
<laughs> I guess. I guess when we come up that way, I guess oh, when I'm we come up that way, we don't have to go. But uh, sounds good to me. Yes, I ain't got definitely. Um, <laughs> but also, there was no. You ain't got to work. I, we already know this. Yeah. Business, All right. So we don't lay this out, son. Better not work. Say how the hell y'all know my schedule better than uh, me. Holy shit. <laughs> Coming to y'all from now on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, but but I I do remember seeing this album cover and was like, man, I, I need to get that. And for whatever reason, I I just never copped it. And uh I I have listened to it since then and thought to myself, and I'm glad I didn't spend the money on right. that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely say it is definitely his weakest album. Um, if not his weakest, definitely in the bottom three. Because, um, I mean, Illmatic and Stillmatic, both up there. I Am, up there. God's Son, up there. Um, you know, definitely, you know. And again, I, I consider Nas top five greatest of all time. Um, or top five bird of all time. Um, <laughs> best in recent discussion, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but that being said, we are actually going to go on to Bad, 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 Bad Boy. We're going to talk about Mace with his album Double Up. Tasked with shouldering the weight of expectations that came with becoming the new face of Bad Boy Records, Mace adjusted admirably making the leap from converted guest artist to full-blown phenomenon with his debut album, Harlem World. Radio hits may have fueled his uh, rise to the, up the charts, but his prowess was, I'm sorry, his prowess as an MC was unquestioned, putting him on the fast track for greatness. An impromptu retirement followed by a lackadaisical sophomore effort that was double up, dash those pr- uh, projections, and let fans wondering where it all went wrong. Do you guys remember the double up album? Yes, he only had three albums. What was <laughs> your What was your initial? Uh, yeah. What was your initial re- reaction? Yeah, I mean, out of the three, it is his weakest album. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's not bad, but it's yeah. not uh, great. It's it's. It's in that range where it's like a five or a six on a scale of ten, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it. like Roger said, it, it's definitely his, his weakest album. Um, there's only a couple of songs uh, that I remember off of this album. Um, from Scratch, Getting It, um, Do It Again, and then the one he had with Blackstreet. Uh, right. called Get Ready. Uh, I used I, I was a huge Blackstreet fan back in the day. Right. Well, I mean, but so. you, but you, I mean, and, and you look at the album previous when he did Harlem World. We had Feel So Good, What You Want, Twenty Four Hours to Live, Looking at Me. Like, also he was on. You know, he was on the track with uh, Puff and Big when they did More Money More Problems, and you know that. I mean, he was he was. He was going to be the next big thing. Um, and then Double Up came out, and it didn't It didn't hit like like it did. Um, well, I think there was more to it than, than that. Double Up came out 
plus he decided he wanted to become a pastor so you know hip-hop music wasn't in right. the cards for him anymore so he didn't I mean, really put his all in i don't think he just put i just think he didn't put his all into the album yeah because i mean when he came back and did welcome back and that album's fire yeah then he did welcome matt <laughs> hey you know who the producers of the song welcome back were for the song, the song itself? yeah the song itself the you movie? know who the producers were the movement <laughs> the movement we can't have a damn thing anyway yeah <laughs> what you talking about can't have a damn thing i'm still getting my royalty Hell check no. from that you not yeah, I'm still waiting on Johnny Ace to get get back to me. But anyway, because um, him and Bart Gunn did a tag team. No, you know, never mind. Um, no, they actually got some pretty cool uh, albums underneath their belt um, or songs underneath their belt. Uh, they did one. This, they do a lot of poppy shit, though, from other. Uh, yep. That's how you make it. Nothing. What's wrong nothing's with wrong poppy, poppy shit. shit? I'm just saying this is what they do. Poppy shit. Um the one, the two, the two songs that had the that had the most success was uh, Jesse McCartney's "Leaving," whatever song that is, "Leaving," uh, and Justin yeah, Bieber's yeah. Uh, "One Time." So there you go. So, but yeah, but then you had uh, you had "Welcome Back," and then you had the song uh, "Breathe, Stretch, Shake." Was a good one. That was that was actually on the Jay, let it go. Let it go. Breathe, yeah, stretch, that was on shake, the um, let it go. That was on the NFL Breathe, Street stretch. Streets Volume Two. Street yeah, Volume Two. God, man, I'm I'm. In, that, that song, is, that I love that. And I love that game too. That game was awesome. This album, I did too. This whole album is actually right. really good, though. Even though it's a, uh, it's a quote unquote Christian yeah. hip hop album. Yeah, he doesn't cuss at all in it, and he does talk right. about his faith in some of it. The brief stretch shake that before ninety nine, I was born again. Five years later, now I'm on again. <laughs> like, yeah. Me, yep. I was born to win. All right, so now that we've uh, discussed that, we're gonna move on to some. I guess more. I guess I, I, I don't know if this is the most recent uh, album that's on the list, but uh, uh, Raj, you go ahead with this next one. No, the most recent on the list has to be uh, the Trash Little Wayne one. Or yeah, actually, we ain't yeah, there yeah. yet, but we'll, we'll go. Uh, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll go ahead and get to this one first. So the next one is um, Lasers by Lufe Fiasco, um, who, uh, when it comes to mind-bending lyricism, Lupe Fiasco's in a tier was the greatest spitter to ever pick up a mic. Um, exceeding expectation on his first two albums, Food and Liquor and The Cool, the Chicago rapper was on the verge of completing a trifecta of classics that could put that, that would put his discography in rare territory. However, due to turmoil with his label, who pushed for a more pop-friendly sound from Lupe, his third studio album, Lasers, missed the mark and was uh, maligned by both critics and diehard fans. And this album definitely is his weakest. By far. Okay. 100%. Uh, The only songs that I rock with on this album, personally, was Never Forget, featuring John Legend and... um, Words I Never Said featuring Skylar Gray. Uh, some of the other ones were were good, but in my opinion, those were the two best on this album. Um, yeah, but when I heard this album, I knew it wasn't his album uh, because it's literally not anything he's done at this right. point. I mean, 
Food and Liquor and The Quill both tells great stories in their songs, and these just feel like, hey, I gotta put an album out because I signed a three deer con a three album contract. Yeah. So, um, yeah. critical reception of it though, it says Lasers uh, received uh, mixed reviews from the from the majority of music critics. Uh, Metacritic, which is I guess the new standard in music rankings, um, they they assigned a, a normalized ranking system out of a hundred reviews from mainstream critics and stuff like that, uh, and they gave it an average score of fifty seven out of a hundred based on twenty seven reviews, and. Um, all Music's uh, editor, Andy K- uh, Kelman, gave it a three out of five stars and criticized it as being lumbering and overriding, uh, overriding uh, cho- choruses, writing that if there is one MC whose rhymes should not be this dull for the sake of chasing pop trends, it's Lupe Fiasco. Uh, and uh, Jeff Levin from Paste uh, gave Lasers a 6 out of 10 rating and found its musical arrangement polished, yet too radio-friendly. How do you guys feel about those particular uh, quotes right there? Those weren't harsh enough. <laughs> Damn. No, like... Yeah. Isn't Lupe Fiasco on your homework list? Um, Let me go back and look real quick. Um, I have it written down here. Hang on a second. Because I really do think food and liquor is on your homework. Food and liquor is on there. Um, uh, let me go with the here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see the new J. Cole album. You got yeah, all J. Cole all albums. J. Cole albums. Uh, yeah. But no, like, li- like yes. yeah, 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 yeah. The, like, uh, the, uh, yeah, the Lupe's uh, Food and Liquor, uh, the 2006 album. Yeah, it's on, it's on the list. Yes. Yeah. So that, like, once you listen to the album, like you don't even have to listen to Cool. The Cool is a really great album, actually. But just go from listening to Food and Liquor and go listen to Lasers, and you'll be like, "Yo, what is this?" Okay. You'll you'll like immediately feel a whole different sound and feel and theme and everything to it. Okay. It doesn't tell a story by a guy who tells stories. Okay, so I will listen yeah. to the first two and be like, "Okay, this is cool," and then I'll get to the Lasers and be like, "Wait a minute." This ain't nothing compared to what he what he was doing, you know. Yeah, you'll be disappointed. Mm-hmm. You will be disappointed. Like it's it's such a fall flat kind of thing. Okay. Weird question, and uh, I don't okay. know. Weird answer. Okay. Um, because <laughs> everyone was like, "What we what what you you know what we just read in the blurb." Where it says, you know, he could have completed the trifecta. It says, however, due to term oil with his label, who pushed for more of a pop-friendly sound than Lupe from Lupe, it said it misses Mark. I don't know if anybody would be this petty, but do you think that Lupe made the album intentionally more pop-friendly than it should have been, in spite of the uh, pencil pushers telling him that oh you need more pop and blah 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 blah. Do you think he did it as spite saying see this shit don't work? Here's the reason why it didn't work. You didn't want to listen to me. You know, it could that be a situation of why the album didn't do so well? Could that be a, a an excuse or a reason why the album probably didn't do so well? I'm just spitballing here. I'm just theorizing. Uh no. So what was supposed to happen is he actually had a trilogy album planned when he first signed. His third album was supposed to be called Loop and uh, L-U-P, then capital E, capital N, capital D. And it was supposed to be his final album. Right. Like He didn't want to do more. 
he only wanted to do three albums and it literally made him change that whole entire album interesting yeah. then dicks and he actually had a he actually had another album already planned after that called the great american uh rap album and they made him postpone it to get out oh we need a pop album from you see see yeah. see and to me like that's that's kind of bullshit in a sense. And, and, and don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand, like, you sign a contract, and I, I guess you got to read through all the fine prints and stuff. But if you, if I'm an artist and I have a vision of where I want to take a record, who are you? Yeah. I mean, you, I technically work for you in a sense that I am an artist who is signed to your record label to produce an album for you for your studio so you motherfuckers can sit there with your $3,000 suits and act like you did some shit when you ain't do jack shit but sit there and write a fucking check. When I'm the one here in the studio staying up late, trying to be creative, writing lyrics, you know, telling a story, being a songwriter, being a storyteller, you know, trying to work to see a vision or a an, a, a, an audio representation of a vision come to life. So that being said, like, who are you to tell me what type of music I should do? Does that make sense? Like, I mean, you would, I mean, you would think like, I mean, and, and it might be a different thing, but like you wouldn't think, okay, could you imagine, I'll just throw a name out there. Could you imagine DMX doing a pop record? No, DMX does hip hop, you know, and Lupe, Lupe Fiasco does hip hop, but you don't, I mean, if you want more pop-friendly stuff, then go to one of your fucking pop artists that you have signed. Like, why are you telling a hip-hop artist to not do fucking hip-hop? That's what you fucking signed him up to be as a fucking hip-hop artist, you know? Which we live in a day and age now when really, you really don't need a big fucking record label. You can pretty much make all your beats and do all your shit and, you know, put it out there on the internet and bam, you know? You could get a fan base overnight you know, if you if you work hard enough and push that shit, you know. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm ranting a little bit here. I just I just think it's interesting. Like, why would it? Like, why would you intentionally tell an artist, you know, well, you need to do it our way, or we're not going to release an album? Like that does that that makes sense. Not, to me. Well, also during the production, they only they pushed back the release on it, so they kept them under contract um, for like two more years. Because they didn't release it until 2011, it was slated for 2009, and then they said 2010. So really, they can hold you under. So really, they can hold you under your under their thumb and keep you as yep. long as they possibly can until they decide that they want to release the record. Yep, he said that like it was such a bad time for him at this at making this whole album and everything going on that he actually contemplated suicide multiple times. Damn, because of how bad it was. Damn. Yep. And I think that's why you see but, more independent labels now, and you see more guys taking the independent route. Then. Well, it's hard. I mean, nowadays with the, I mean, with YouTube, it's hard to compete with anybody really. I mean, a lot of these guys can sign one or two year deals with like these little small ones, put their stuff on YouTube, and make the money that way. While these big companies are trying to force you to make three or four albums for them, like nah, we don't need to do that anymore. No. I mean, it's literally. I mean, and, and a lot of things is that you know you can work at your own convenience now. You don't necessarily have to work on with time constraints and things of that nature. And that's why that see, and that's another reason why I think albums are you know quote unquote not 
good from the standpoint that, you know, you are, you're putting time constraints on people, you know, and like they automatically expect you, like I was listening to this one interview and I know we're talking uh, hip hop, but I was listening to this one interview that they did with uh, Mick Thompson for uh, the guitar player from Slipknot. And uh, he goes, it was so easy because we, we had literally two years to write the first album. And then we were, we literally got home from touring for a week and they called us up and they said, Hey, we need it. We need, we need, we need the second album. We need it in a year. Uh, we need you to write at least 50 songs and hopefully all of them will be, be great. And he says, well, fuck, that's like get t- telling a painter, Hey, go in that room. There's a blank canvas and some paints. Now paint me a picture. It's like, who the fuck says I want to, you know? And they had, I mean, so if a heavy metal band can have them type of issues and you're dealing with multiple people in a band and things of that nature, then this is just one artist, you know? So it's like, like it's bullshit that a record company can literally hold you hostage just because they, they decide that they don't want to release your record. That's bullshit. You know, little bit of a rant there i apologize let's go on to the next one <laughs> yeah go ahead and go to the next one you're fine yeah uh yes. that's me right all right uh next up we're going to talk about kanye west's album yay uh which before i even get into it i don't consider this an album at all uh it's seven tracks this is an ep not an lp this is more of a mixtape uh in my opinion uh, not a full fledged album. Let me do but some I digress. Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, pushing the envelope and testing the barriers of hip hop has always been Kanye West's area of expertise. This skill set is a huge component in the making of classic albums like classic. The College classic. Dropout, Graduation, My Beautiful Dark Tr- Twisted Fantasy, uh, which is why they came to be the masterpieces that they are today even experimental albums like 808 and heartbreak and yeezus managed to please the avant uh, avant grande crowd as well as resonate with the mainstream this near flawless track record was compromised with the release of yay a seven track ep that wasn't as warmly received with the standard of its predecessing LPs. The project didn't possess the same lyrical substance and diamond quality magic Kanye worked so hard to master on his earlier releases. Diehard fans will disagree, but arguably by Kanye standards, it did not recapture his golden moments. Uh, now, before I ask you guys' opinions about this, I want to read this uh, blurb that I found. Um, it says that following controversy surrounding an interview with TMZ, Kanye West re-recorded all of the work on this album, completing it in the course of just two weeks. So he had an album finished and then because of some controversy by TMZ, he re-recorded the entire thing. I wonder what that original recording I'm, would have sounded like. Yeah, very like. intrigued by that. Hmm. Yeah, I am too. I don't know. Like it's. Hmm. I don't remember this. Even 
I, I don't even think this thing hit my radar. I do. Yeah. I mean, it, so it was the first of, or I'm sorry, it was the second of five seven-track albums produced Kanye West in which he refers to as the Wyoming Sessions. And the reason he refers to them as Wyoming. the Wyoming Sessions he recorded them at Westlake Ranch in Jackson Hole, Jackson Wyoming. So, uh, Ye became yep. Kanye West's eighth consecutive album to debut at number one on the Billboard U.S. Top 200 and tying him with Eminem's record. Yes. That's crazy. Yes, but uh, I, I, I remember this album, but it's it's also a, a very weak album. Um, again, a, as I said before previously, I, I don't consider this like a like a studio album. Yes, he recorded in the studio, but it's only seven tracks. Like that's not a full length album, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean. I really wish I had something to add. I, I don't. I, uh, you know, I've never, I never heard this. So, I'm trying to figure out what the controversy was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, what what are your thoughts on this this EP here, uh, Raj? I mean, I really like it. I, I thought it was cool. Oh, now I remember what it was. Okay, what? This one, he did the interview, and he stupidly said that slaves chose to be slaves. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's when he started getting a a whole lot of backlash from mainstream. uh, You can see the Kardashian effect taking place. (laughs) Right. So the, his actual eighth studio album was actually supposed to be titled uh, Turbo Graphic 16 uh, after the video game console. And it was supposed to have Kid Cudi and Quavo, Little Yachty, Big Sean, and Tyler Creator on it. None of that fucking happened. None of that. Nope. Should have. None of that fucking happened, though. None, I, I don't even know if those songs ever got put out. Uh, They probably The only did. person that's even on this one is... Uh, party next door which i still don't know if that's a group or a person no i mean they did the uh it's 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 a person it's uh jerron anthony brathwaite Mm. he's a canadian singer songwriter rapper and record producer uh his claim to fame is being the first artist signed to Drake's OVO uh, oh. record label. Kanye also did a deal with uh, Kid Cudi too. He did the the, the hip hop guru Kid See Ghost. Yeah, it's a collaborative album. I mean, him and Kid Cudi are still really close. Yeah, that was his. Oh yeah, no, that was his second protege. His first protege was Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, the first song is "Feel the Love" mm-hmm. featuring Pusha T. Well, I mean, I guess his first protege would actually be. Jay-Z. Uh, the person yeah. we shall we shall not yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, which is now that I think about, it, I still think it's weird that we found out that uh, Kanye West actually did a song, the D Twelve World, uh, beat for D Twelve on D Twelve World. Like it still blows mm-hmm. my mind that he did that. Which song was it that they that he did the beat for? D Twelve World. Oh, okay, D Twelve World. Okay, D Twelve World. Yeah, 
I thought you I thought when you said D12 World, I thought you meant like the album, not the actual song. I'm sorry. Like he did like he did the beat for D12 World. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know it's confusing. Like I was trying to like I was like, how can I word it to make it sound like the song and not the album? But I was like, uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um also uh I, I went and looked you guys know that Eminem actually produced for uh, Nas back in the day? Yes, yeah. I, I did know that. I don't remember what song it was, uh, but yeah, I can't. Remember, I, I, I do can't remember, remember hearing about that either. Um, let's see here. I was going back and looking at all this stuff. I was like, yo, this is. I did not know this, but I guess we can move on to the the next one. Um, we show enough can, and this one is Cameron's Confessions of Fire. Some great artists hit their strides right out of the gate, while others may take a little bit of time to perfect their artistry. The latter applies to Cameron, who delivered a mixed bag with his debut album, Confessions of Fire. Mixing the macabre with shock value and a dash of uptown bravado, the album included the occasional highlight, but was disjointed and failed to capture Cam's raw essence. This made the album better served on the cutting room floor. Uh, so how do you guys feel about this particular one? Um, definitely weak. Uh, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think about what songs were. Horse and Carriage? Uh, he had a couple of features from Mace on this. Yeah, he had uh, what Horse and Carriage, We Got It, and... Fuck You, which all featured Mace. Um, he had the song Feels Good featuring Usher. Uh, a, a Pimp's a Pimp featuring Me Jermaine and my Dupree. Featuring Charlie Baltimore. Uh, and Pull It featuring DMX. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember Horse and Carriage, obviously, because... Uh, Mace, him and Mace grew up in the same high school and everything like that. And he, they got, right. they were working together a lot. Um, I can't remember much more from this right. album. Was he? Was this? Um, he, this was pre Rockefeller, right? This was before he, he, before Dipset, before Rockefeller, before all that. Well, it was definitely before Dipset. Yeah, because. Um, but this was on Epic, so yeah. Yeah, um, because, yeah, it was on Epic, and then the next album, uh, Sports Drugs. Purple Haze? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Come Come Home With Me was the one that I'm thinking of, the one that had Oh Boy featuring Jewels and uh, Hey Ma featuring Jewels, uh, Freaky Ziki and uh, Toya. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting. That's an EP. That's why. Yeah. Because Purple Haze was his next album. Wait, Come Home With Me was an EP? It had yeah. 15 songs on it. Uh, it was an EP. It, it, says that it's, it says it's a studio release. This is the third studio album by Harlem rapper Cameron. It was his first, it was his debut under Rockefeller Records. I thought it was, an, I've always thought it was an EP. Mm-mm. Not. I, yeah, 15 songs. No. Count as Purple an EP. Haze, though, that's definitely, yeah, because it had a, uh, uh, Down and Out featuring Kanye West and uh, Selena Johnson. Um, 
I don't think I don't know if that's on. Get 'em Girls is on it. Um Purple Haze is really good. I mean he's got Killer Cam, Get 'em Girls, Lord You Know, Girls Down and Out. Um uh, yeah, the intro is alright. It's just a lot of talking. Uh Get Down. I got that album somewhere actually on C D. Right. Yeah. And this was all I mean, and this was definitely you know, the diplomats were dope, man. You know, dope, man. Which the diplomats were getting like really big at this point, especially after, you know, you know, signed the Rockefeller and uh, Joel's because he came out with Purple Haze in 2004. When, of course, uh, Come Home with Me was uh, 2002. And uh, it was it was almost like a, he dropped an album and then Joel's dropped From Me to You in 2003. He dropped Purple Haze 2004. What the game? Uh, Joel's dropped What the Game's Been Missing. On top of that, Jim Jones had an album come out. Uh, Freeway had an album come out. Benny Siegel had an album come out around this time. Like Diplomats and Rockefeller was, you know, I, I won't say it, I won't say it was the explosion of like No Limit Cash Money, but it was definitely up there. I mean, you being the resident New Yorker, I mean, you would definitely um, have more of an insight than me, obviously. Um, would you say that the dip set um uh, was just as big around this period of time as no limit or cash money was in the late nineties? I mean, yes. Okay. They were the biggest thing going. Okay. Also, uh the uh song that Eminem produced for Nas was the cross off of uh the album Godson. Okay. From two thousand two. But no, I mean, at this point, I was all about Dipset. Okay. And then they dropped Killer Season next, right after that. And that one's got some bangers, and he's just straight up disrespecting Jay-Z. Oh, yeah, because that was when after they left and everything, wasn't it? Yep. He tried to play me, she got all Wait, that's I actually have this album somewhere, too. Like, I think I have all of Cameron's, like, Dipset actual albums. Right. Like everything he did as a diplomat, which is crazy because he's still making albums. Did you? So, so I'm assuming that you've heard Purple Haze too. Yes. Okay. But this his debut album is definitely as weak as because I mean it doesn't have its like aggressions and stuff like 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 it has him being angry, but it doesn't have its aggression. Right. And then after I mean, and also you know Jim Jones also coming out with On My Way to Church, Harlem, you know Diary of Summer, um. Which he put out an album in 2019. I didn't even know he did. I thought he was still doing the love and hip hop shit. Um, he is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's still doing love and hip hop. Um, so he's a supporting cast member now. But anyway, that means that. I mean, he's on it very <laughs> right, frequently. Right. All right. Him and Joel's. Yep. So. That being said, let's move on to the last one of the night. Um, Raj, you want to go ahead and take this one? Uh, yeah, this last one on the up al- on the album on the list um, is uh, Fifty <laughs> Cent's Animal Inhibition. I actually forgot this was an album. Uh, I didn't even know he made me it. Me and you both. Like I thought before, I self destruct was his last album. I didn't even know anything about this one. Um. So for a five-year stretch, 50 Cent's reign over the rap game was a dominance personified as the unit uh, mastermind gave listeners quality and quantity while laughing all the way to the bank and the record books. Album like Get Rich or Die Try 
in the massacre uh established fist as a hit maker with the ability to craft uh engaging deep cuts as well but his fifth studio album animal ambition fell below the standards set by his early work lagging the firepower and club angers that we come that he become known for animal ambition didn't make a lasting impression ranks at the bottom of fifth geography i really didn't don't remember this album at all i don't I don't I either. I looked at the track listing. Nothing ring a bell. And I <laughs> mean, no, nothing. Uh, Not a damn thing. Nothing. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a couple of songs that I I want to go give a listen to uh, just because of the features on them, like Chase the Paper featuring Prodigy He's and Styles. He's dropping P. an album this year. Irregular Heartbeats featuring Jadakiss and Smoke featuring Trey Songs. Uh, yeah, Street I King heard Mortal. about the yep. album, uh, but that's been a rumored album since for 2011. years. Since before even Animal Ambition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's supposed to be his, his quote-unquote last album. Um, But yeah. It, it's I don't know, I don't know that will we'll, well according that. to this it says that Fifty Cent confirmed that it was not certain that he would leave Interscope after the release of the album. Speaking of Street Kings Immortal, which I'm talking about, admitting that the problems in finding a suitable alternative label would be difficult. Um, it says here it says the album. Uh, he later confirmed that he will be releasing a proper album in stores later. This was just a free album for the fans to listen to. Okay, so that was talking about just a regular like EP or something. Um, but it says as as of February 16, 2015, 50 Cent on Shade 45 um, radio interview with G-Unit said that he recorded more tracks with Chris Brown for the album. 50 Cent also said that he had a feature on uh, Tiger's album, Fan of a Fan, the album, which was recorded early in the year, and Drake has also been confirmed, as well as Wiz Khalifa, Eminem, Alicia Keys, uh, Trey Songs, Neo, and John Legend, and possibly Kendrick Lamar. So, something to look forward to. Um, but in terms of, yeah, but in terms of Animal Ambition, didn't even know this album existed. But, I will definitely, I will definitely give it a look. I mean, I won't because Fifty Cent's album. I mean, Get Rich or Die Trying is obviously his best album. Then he just gets weaker and weaker from there. Like after Curtis, I didn't listen because I was like, "There's only two good songs on Curtis." Yeah, I, th- I thought his Judas stuff is good, see, but I mean, but see, I like, I, I like, I like Massacre though. Like I thought Massacre was a good song, but. Oh, good album. Massacre is good, but it's not. I mean, it's it's not as good as. <laughs> it's not as good as. Uh, it doesn't get like trying. trying. No, no, you're right. It doesn't. But, I mean, it had it had piggy bank. Um, it had uh, disco inferno. Um, clickety clank. Clickety clank. clank. Money goes into my piggy money goes bank. Into my piggy bank. Yep. <laughs> um, Hollywood, Hollywood. But then they Hollywood. did. They did. Hate it or love it. The G Unit remix. On Massacre, which featured the game Tony Yayo, Young Buck, Lloyd Banks, um, which Hater to Love It was originally on the game's album, uh, the documentary. And uh, 
now that they, they, I don't know if they not on speaking terms anymore. Um, I think the beef is squashed. I'm not a hundred percent on that one. I mean, wasn't it at the BT Awards from like ten uh, years ago where he said he squashed the beef with Jay Z and Fifty? I I don't know that. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, squashed for a while. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's been squashed for a while. Okay. But uh, I don't know. Like I, I mean, like I said, Massacre is good. It has some. It has Big Bank, like you said, Gatman, Robin. Uh, I mean, Candy Shop's all right, I guess. Uh. Disco Inferno is okay too. Just a little bit, it's all right. Uh, yeah. God gave me Styles probably my favorite one on the album. I mean, hit or love it, yeah. But I mean, that should have been on Games, and he just took it and put it on his album. Right. So it says right here. It says on August first of twenty sixteen, Fifty Cent ended his twenty year feud with the Game when the two were in twenty year. I'm sorry, twelve. I'm sorry. I read the wrong. I read oh, the wrong I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Good He's got lower. Right. It says it says on August first, twenty sixteen, Fifty Cent ended their twelve year feud. His twelve year feud with the game when when the two were in the Ace of Diamonds strip club, and the game said, "What happened? That shit was like twelve years ago." So obviously, it's done. So you know. Will they work together with each other again? Who knows? Um, yep. I don't know. I I don't know if it would. Uh, no, I I don't know. I I think I think some of of Fifty's best work came when him and Game were yeah, doing music I, yeah. together. Um, you know, I mean, aside from. Get Rich or Die Trying. I mean, because that's a classic, one hundred percent a classic. Um, but then you you think about it, the the next biggest stuff that he did was was with the game, uh, and I always, you know, before they started beefing, I always wanted them to do a uh, collaborative album. I mean, they collaborated a lot on Game's debut album, but I wanted them to do a full collaborative album together because I, I don't know. I just loved right. the way they worked. And together. ironically enough, Game's got a new album coming out in 2021. It's called 30 for 30. No release date has been named just yet, but that is the album title 30 for 30. What? Well, yeah. I can't wait for that. Game, yeah. He's, I love he's, Game. He's, he ranks up there for me. My, my favorite album. Ironically enough, somebody told me because we were talking about this um, uh, a while back ago. I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but I, we were talking about like the game. And um, he asked me, he goes, Well, what's your favorite game album? And I said, Well, for me, it's a toss up. And he was like, Okay, what? I said, For me, it's a toss up between the Doctor's Advocate and the Red Album. He was like, What? You like the Red Album? That Red, man, that album was trash. And I was like, um, okay, well, what did you think his best album was? LAX. We ain't talking no more. <laughs> LAX was a good LAX album. It wasn't was the best album, album, but it was a good right. album. But, you know, um, you know, I've, I've always been partial to the Red album um, and Doctor's Advocate just because, like, you know, it was just I – mean, which Game's whole catalog is amazing to me. And if I had to pick a quote-unquote weak album uh, – I can only go. I can only go from the documentary to the documentary too, because um, I haven't listened to Born to Rap yet. 
and uh, I vaguely heard, heard a few songs from 1992. So I can't go full-fledged every single album, but just based on from the documentary to documentary two, um, yeah, it, for me, it would be 1A, 1B between Doctor's Advocate and the Red Album. My opinion. You know? Other, okay. uh, I mean, opinions vary, you know, but, you know, not to say that the documentary was trash, because I don't think any of his albums are trash, but... If you know now, I will say that my favorite song by the game is on LAX. So, um, you know, and we we me, we me and Chip had me and Chip had this conversation a while back. It was a song, uh, "Never Can Say Goodbye," where he uh, where he uh, um, portrayed uh, Pac, Biggie, and Easy all in the final moments of their life. Pretty much, you know the song I'm talking about, Roger. What now? Uh, the uh, the song "Never Can Say Goodbye" by the game. You you have you heard that song? Uh, which album? It's it's on LAX. Uh, yeah, probably because I did like that. Album. Yeah, it was it was the song where he portrayed Pac, Biggie, and Easy in the moments oh, yeah. where they're about where, yeah. where it's like in the moments where they're fixing to pass away. Um, almost like like what was the, what what would have been their last thoughts or what could they have talked about or what could they have said at that moment? You know. Um, you know, so, but yeah, um, so, uh, speaking of which, um, apparently 50 cents new show that he's working on right now, uh, it's called moment in time, the massacre. It's a seasonal anthology that will explore the true crimes in, uh, iconic hip hop moments. Um, season one will be, uh, based on the 50 cent and beef, uh, with the game. With the game supposedly on it. Hmm. Interesting. I'll watch it as long as it's not on stars. It is on stars. Well, damn it. Oh. <laughs> See, I can't watch it. I, I, I can't pay for another streaming service. Right. I got a jailbroken <laughs> fire stick. Well, that means you can record it and send it to me on DVD. Yep. That's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But it's okay. You can do it because you love me. You guys can just go to a website and just do it. Yeah, I guess we could. <laughs> Wait for the whole series to come out and do a month trial. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, just do a trial, and then after you get done watching what you need to get done, yeah, cancel it. You can cancel any time. Sure can. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, um, let me ask one more question before we get out of here tonight. Out of mm-hmm. all 15 albums that we talked about tonight. All 50? 15. 15. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I need to enunciate my words or pronounce my words better. I apologize. Out of, no, I was making a joke because we were talking about 50 cents. <laughs> oh, yeah. So out of out of the 15 albums that we talked about this evening, what was the worst out of these 15? Rebirth. Either Rebirth or Animal Ambition. Um, rebirth. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather listen to Animal Ambition. I'd rather listen to Jay Z than Rebirth. Good Lord, that's <laughs> uh, you know you know that album's trash. If he said he want to listen to Jay Z, I, um, I I don't even know what to respond to that with. Um, 
All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into this episode <laughs> of, <laughs> of <laughs> on the, here on the Patreon channel. Um, no, um, no, no, rebirth, and I would say rebirth is probably the one. It, out of all the out of out of all of Wayne's catalog, it doesn't fit uh, Wayne at all. And on this list, it definitely is a step way below <laughs> the, the the worst of the worst on the album. Yes. Um. So yeah. Now that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode of uh, rap. Re- oh, not rap rebound. So sorry. Um, Battle topics. Rap rewind is <laughs> next. Uh, in two weeks from now, we're going to be doing the uh, the uh, rap rewind of Encore, which was probably I don't know, maybe the best album that was on this list. To be honest, it was definitely an album that didn't deserve to be on this list, in my opinion. I think we all three kind of agreed on that from the jump right i mean definitely to be like just like a logs album doesn't have to be on right um that being said though thank you guys for tuning in uh anything you guys want to say before we get out here tonight uh as always uh check out movementradio.us that is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio uh and if you happen to be listening to this on apple podcast please leave us a five-star review it does nothing for us monetarily but it helps with Apple's algorithm to get our podcast out to a broader audience. Roger, what's that you, Bubba? Anything? Um, I mean, if you're listening to this, you're on the Patreon, obviously. So thank you for that $1 a month to go towards this laptop that somebody needs. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but no, you know, always go back and listen to our uh, previous episodes. If you haven't yet, we've got some good stuff. Um, the last one we came out with was the... Uh, it was weirdest sports, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I was gonna say the uh, biggest upset, but I was like, no, that's last time. But no, this is the weirdest sports, which we actually delved in some, and some were really interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Like, like uh, but no, there, there's there's some bangers out there, you know, some sports that we may not know, but we need to watch, um, and figure out For what's sure. going on. You'll definitely <laughs> want to sure. watch the uh, the the last one that we talk about very much. <laughs> um, that being said, though, again, a couple of quick shout outs. Shout out to our good buddy Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training. $40 a session, can't beat it. Uh, and he'll give you the best cardiovascular workout. We're talking everything from cardiovascular, strength and conditioning, boxing, you name it. He'll give you a really good workout. And, um, you know, he, uh, he, he does good work. Uh, that being said, though, also check out uh, our buddies Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversations podcast. They got a good uh, thing going on over there. Our good buddies uh, Andrew and Sean over at the Warrior Workout Network. Go give them a look. Uh, our good buddy Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Demon. Go check out his content. Some good content over there. And as always, thank you guys so much for all the love and support that you've given us for this channel, for this podcast. We can't thank you guys enough. Thank you so much. And we will see you guys next time. Chip, let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Check out all of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos right here on the Patreon channel. And check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I am Talon Williams. I'm Roger Sierra. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.